Welcome to episode nine of season three for Book Record Beer. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Nick. As always, joined by some of my very good friends, uh, one Nick Gregorio. Oh, I didn't know you were doing me first. Hi. I know. I threw your curveball. <laughs> you really did. Uh, Daniel DeFranco. So That's me. And we have a special guest today, Jamie Fountaine. Say hello. hello. Hi. Hi. Um, so we have uh, quite an interesting mix of things today, right? Uh, we went with, um, Jamie, you chose our author, Stephen Dunn, correct? Yeah. And uh, we have three pieces of flash from him that we'll be looking at. Uh, and... I think we collectively landed on some Danzig. Yeah. Sort of as Somehow. A, <laughs> yeah. So Danzig's <laughs> <That happened. laughs> uh, debut album, Danzig, we'll be looking at from 1988. And Nick, you picked up... Uh, it's I, a victory, no-brainer. No-brainer. And I'll explain why I got that <laughs> in <Awesome>. particular <laughs> later awesome. on. How um, many terrible puns do you have? <laughs> oh, I got so, many. Right. I've got many. So I I, uh, I wanted to start this with what uh, I usually like to do. I'm going to introduce everybody as something. The thing I chose today because of Danzig. I mean, it's just such a huge presence, Danzig. It's Danzig. Uh, <laughs> I love how you could just feel. Yeah, you say that. That's okay. Danzig. Danzig is here, just hovering over us with horns. I like to call him Glenn. <laughs> hey, Glenn. Yeah. Like, of all the... Your name is Glenn Anzalone, and you're like, I'm going to change one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and, kept and you Glenn. pick Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> to hold on to, yeah. Anzalone, that's a dumb name. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> hilarious. But Glenn. <laughs> Glenn, and I think it lessens what he's trying to do. Oh, yeah. sure. Quite a bit when you call him Glenn. I you think some like when people, fun. when he was being a dick, like, Glenn, yeah. settle down. Relax, Glenn. Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do that all the time to articles about it. I just... <laughs> The best thing about Glenn Danzig is that he has no sense of humor about himself. Correct. And yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Which makes it hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So uh, to that end, I'm going to introduce everybody as a uh, band or group headed by someone who was formerly in another big band or group. Because as we know, Glenn Danzig was, of course, of uh, the Misfits. So uh, I'm going to start, Jamie, with you uh, because... I really enjoyed um, your one story over again until we're finished, uh, and it has some dancing in it, which made me think of uh, Kathleen Hanna's La Tigre. Um, I think I'm pronouncing oh, that yeah. right. It, yeah. yeah, and that's, that's like cool. a dancey sort of like. Yeah. I really like that band. Um, not that I didn't like Bikini Kill, Kathleen Hanna being from Bikini Kill, of course. Um, but I, for some reason, I like the dance a little bit more. So that is yours, La Tigre. La Tigre, the tiger. Uh, <laughs> oh, is that? I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's French. Uh, Gregorio, you're next. You are Mike Ness Band from Mike Ness, of course, from Social yes. D. Hell Social yes. Distortion. The, so the faux you. pompadour. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, is just from baldness. I, yeah, not so, I'm not like, it's not looks that's driving me to this. No, end. it is. I he's just, a handsome man, and so am I, and I'm going sticking with it. Do you remember the Social Distortion music videos where he's wearing such thick eyeliner? Yep. It's madness. It's, it's crazy. Nuts. It's he, like they were a glam band or something. Well, I don't know what he was trying to be, but that dude is a frightening man, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> He's intense. You see when he punched the, the like, trumper in, in the crowd or something? Yes. Like a social D? Or yeah, it might not, have been a, not a good move to punch people, <laughs> yeah, but if you're going to punch somebody. I think the guy was heckling him and they were going back <laughs> yeah, and forth. 
I, it's fascinating to me the people who go to shows of like very historically vocally liberal bands yeah. and like I don't like how they're getting political. It's like what was going to happen? That happened last night. Did you not night. listen to any of the music before? Are you yeah. here? Or are you just hammered? That's what I feel like happens often. No, dude, like I, I saw a Trumper at a fucking propaganda show. <laughs> that was the I dumbest mean, shit I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like, do you know he's why you're irony. here? Yeah. Like, that's just, you, you're just trolling. Were you right? dropped here? <laughs> did you come in to use the bathroom and get confused? <laughs> did he have a parachute attached? Like, how you did paid he... 25 bucks to use the shitter, bud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there was that dude at Ted Leo last night mocking him for talking about universal health care. Yeah. Then he had to be removed. Although Ted <laughs> had that Imagine fantastic line. kicked out of a batting cage. Yeah, show because <laughs> everybody saw it. Like there was only a hundred people there. <laughs> yeah, we were all like, "Ooh, see not, there wasn't even a door." Get him, Ted. Get out. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what he said. He was like, "Don't worry about him. He's a drunk white dude. They always land on their feet." Yeah, that was a good, <laughs> which is uh, pretty funny, sad but true. Yeah, uh, and Daniel, so you are, um, and I'm gonna say his name probably wrong. Chris Teal from Nickel Creek, uh, who formed the Punch Brothers. I don't know. Any of the things you just said. Yeah, I don't know. What? Really? Yeah, sorry. So he's an incredible mandolin player okay. who we'll go on. Uh, won yes. numerous <laughs> Grammys in his teenage years with Nickel Creek. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, such a sort of like proficient and profound musician that he got all these classically trained musicians to make bluegrass music. So he made orchestral pieces of bluegrass music I with like the Punch Brothers. Everything you said except bluegrass music. It actually sounds really cool. It is really cool. Punch Brothers are great. Check them out on AV Undercover if you want to get introduced to them. But that is how I'm introducing everybody well, let me as throw major artists. You. Go for it. Uh, unprepared as usual. You got to, you got to, three years in, you got to give me a heads up. I, lo- I kind of love what he comes up with off we the fly, text though. A lot. I know. <laughs> I, you are on it on it. one David Ronald Grohl. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if his middle name is Ronald. Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, because you're an incredible drummer. Oh, thank you. And as he fell off of a stage yesterday, you fell into a hole that you dug. That's true. You fell into a hole? I have a rash, like, all up the side of my leg. I, Daffy ducked it. I Daffy ducked <laughs> myself so hard, like a fucking Looney Tune. I dug a three-foot hole, forgot I did it, and then, like, ten minutes later, was walking towards the structure for which said hole was built, and fell into the hole. See, I'm typically the guy that I think would fall into a hole. I don't I expect that from you. fall into a lot of holes, but I never <laughs> dig them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, but that's the problem, right? You think I'd know, because I did the... Yeah. It's a metaphor for something there. Yeah. You, you'll find it. You'll find <laughs> what that's the metaphor for. I don't know. There was <laughs> terrible construction by my apartment for, like, eight months and there was a hole and I fell in it like at least every two weeks. Oh my God. I knew it was there. <laughs> I could see it with right? my damn eyes and I still fell in it. And it's so jarring. You, you're so like, did I break something? Am I a broken person now? <laughs> oh, I'm really bad at walking upright. Staying. Yeah. I fall down all the time, but more it's just like if the people see me fall one more time, they're going to think that there's something deeply wrong with me and not just that I'm an idiot. Is she actually bipedal? Like, yeah, does she know how to walk? Like, should we be worried about her? Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Um, right, let me, uh, I'm going to introduce our guest, Jamie yeah, Fountain. Hi, Jamie. Hi. Uh, Jamie Fountain has a, uh, is this your debut larger work? 
Yeah. It's a, uh, a novella called Manhunt out from Mason Jar Press, July 2019, July 16th. Uh, Jamie Fountain writes the Fountain of Advice column for Barrel House. Is that still going strong? Yeah. Yeah. I actually owe them one right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, somebody gave me an advice column, which okay. is a hilarious joke. We'll come right back to that because I have questions <laughs> about that. Uh, so do I. <laughs> uh, Jamie Fountain co-hosts Tire Fire uh, reading series with Mike Ingram. Uh, what's Mike's middle name? Rodney. Ooh, Michael Rodney wow. Ingram. It's a family you, name. I don't know why I know so much about his middle name, but I think it's hilarious. And also, you lit up. his. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Michael guys, Rodney Ingram. You guys do that at Tattooed Mom. Uh, when do you do that? Uh, we usually do that like September through November, take December off, and then January through May. Because mm. December is hard to get people to show up for things that yeah. aren't at their grandma's house. And the summer is. Strangely empty in Philadelphia. It's at Thursdays, right? It's usually Thursdays. Every so often we work around somebody else's schedule, but so like once a once a month, third Thursday typically. Yeah, it really depends on who's coming and when the bar is available. Okay, mm. and There's I had a question. No logic to it. <laughs> the internet could not uh, help me. Do you <laughs> still host? Excuse my dust. I don't. We ended the show last fall because uh, Janine Garofalo needed my time slot. And then they were like, well, we want to do other stuff at this time. What if you did it later? And I could not imagine anybody would want to come to a reading at after 9 p.m. on a Sunday. So Janine Garofalo needed your spot just once or Just forever? once. And so instead of having like a farewell show, mm-hmm. uh, they were just like, hey, we have to bump your show because Janine Garofalo is coming. And I was like, okay, I get that. And then we ended up just ending the show. Go. So normally oh, I would have, it, it kind of faded out. Um, which we can blame on Janine Garofalo. Why not? Um, but she she's had some bad takes lately. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah her her whole piece on the Louis C K thing is oh, not great. Oh yeah, I did see that. It, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the thing is, if your friend does something terrible, what you can say is they've always been a good friend to me, and it's very upsetting to hear this. Yeah. I believe yeah, the yeah, people yeah. who are saying it, and sure. it sucks. Right. Because like that's a great way to handle like. Because it's, it's very complicated to, to realize that somebody that you care about, who you thought was a good person, is maybe not a good person. But you don't, you shouldn't defend them, especially if they, like, go in the New York Times to say, yeah, I did that. Right. Don't defend them. <laughs> Once you, you still, get to that point. You can still care about them, but you don't, but like, you probably maybe shouldn't defend them. Yeah, don't their, defend them. Important behavior. Yeah. You can just be like, hey, I... I need a little space or I, I don't feel comfortable talking about this because this isn't about me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Not Numerous just like, well, you know, done. his daughters are fine. Like, how do you know, <laughs> oh, Janine? Janine. 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 <laughs> well, Glenn. speaking of Janine, in 13 days, uh, Jamie Fountain's novella, Manhunt, comes out from Asian Jar Press. I read uh, what's available online and I am intrigued. Uh, the writing is... Uh, Pretty, pretty good. Thank you. Uh, very natural storytelling of voice that was adopted there. So uh, do you want to talk about your book for a couple of minutes before um, we jump into... I can uh, talk about my book. I am really bad at it. Um, people at my job keep asking, and I don't know how to talk about it without saying the word dick at work. <laughs> <laughs> and but Well, you can say that here. Yeah, no. Uh, it's because I have like... For every coworker who you can have a conversation about anything with, there's lots of mild-mannered people, and I don't want to be like, right. well, there's a flasher. And the thing is, uh, <laughs> but so the the story, 
takes place during the summer. The narrator is 13 and she is like trying to make money babysitting and dealing with her mom and her mom's shitty boyfriend. And there's a flasher in the town and it's basically um, about the time in a girl's life where the world starts telling her that she has power because her body is doing things mm. and uh, she doesn't. I mean, children, she's when you're 13, you're a child. But I think and, you know, like I'm telling this all to you, who I'm pretty sure we're never 13 year old girls. But that's Correct. about the age that where people are like, oh, you're going to get boys into trouble. And it's like, how? <laughs> how? How? Like, just Expand because because I think that uh, the way that like young women and young men are socialized is that like men aren't really expected to be responsible for their actions until they're older. And so, you know, that like boys are capable just as girls are, but like capable of doing bad things. And when you're young, especially when I was younger and certainly before then, um, it was the responsibility of like the girl to keep things from getting out of hand and not like the the boy who wanted to do whatever he wanted to do. Um, And like, that isn't to say that this is like some weird morality tale and like everybody is doing terrible, stupid things because they're children. Um, But I was thinking a lot about that aspect of your life in the last, Oh, two, two and a half years of being alive in America. Just the way that um, men and women like are talk, talk about each other and the way that women are socialized to sort of participate in their own like minimization and uh instead of like writing some sort of terrible long boring essay uh I was just like well what does that feel like and what is it like before you realize all of this shit and bringing us into that experience with the uh the novella and so I figured that was a better way to do it yeah what uh storytelling man yeah Absolutely. A quick, quick around the table. Novella. What, how do you feel about novella as a designation? I love novellas. That, that size for me has always been a great almost like moment. You know what I mean? You feel like you are, you are living. And it's always, I, I feel like, kind of frenetic, the, the, the pacing of those length type uh, books. So I really, I really like them. You're talking about if it's like perceived as an insult or not, because what's weird yeah. is like Gatsby and Catcher are novellas by like definition, but they're always regarded as novels as if that's but a that little bit more prestige. Has shifted. Yeah, the word uh, count goes all over yeah. the place. It's a real and general concept, and I think that I mean I'm pro because I wrote one, um, but also just as a reader, I think that there's a lot of books that are important because they're long. And not necessarily because they're good. Right. And I've read a, a lot of pretty good long books that probably would have been great if they were shorter. Sure. Um, and I feel like it's better to leave people wondering what else could have happened yep. in a way where you still successfully tell the story than it is to be like, wow, there were like three chapters about their pants. Yeah. <laughs> what books are you reading? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was... I was trying not to implicate anybody, so I used something that I hope it's not actually in a book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nick, there was there was one of your, like, three of your stories in your collection were about pants, weren't they? All of them. Yeah, the yeah. whole collection. Yeah. It was the a pants. lot of pants. Yeah, that's what this distance <laughs> well, was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was about inseam, and yeah. it was weird. Um, well, oh, not your stories about pants. That's it. Totally, <laughs> those are great pants tales. I'm a, I'm pro novella because my attention span seems to be getting shorter and shorter. 
Yeah. So when I see a novella, I was like, oh, thank God. I don't have to commit to well, I really, you know, 300 pages. Yeah, I really appreciate being able to, to digest the story quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you like, we, we were talking about last year, though, you like those really sprawling tales. Yeah, I do. Where all the details there. I know? do. I like both. I, I think it's a matter of time investment. And I think it's a matter of, of um, strategically planning your time because I don't have a ton of it. Yeah. I don't think anybody does. Um, so being able to do something in one short bite is that is just as profound or if not more so because of the length than something larger. I think yeah. it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so Manhunt, this novella uh, that comes out in 13 days. Well, I guess by the time you're listening to this, it comes out four days ago on July yeah. 16th. We just entered the future. <laughs> just right. like that. Yeah. <laughs> just like that. Um, Look at I got to say, before we move on to uh, Stephen Dunn, the cover for your book is incredible. I think so too, and I can take absolutely no credit for it. So I feel really comfortable <laughs> being like, "This is such a good cover." But Ian Anderson at Mason Jar makes amazing book covers. Um, I, he designs all of them. The cover he did for uh, Tyrese Coleman's "How to Sit" was amazing. Have you guys read that? I've seen the Have cover. You should it's read great. that book. Everyone should read that book. It's amazing, and Tyrese is amazing. Um, but like, even the books that they design that use other people's art, like. Um, the cover of the bong ripping brides of Count Dragado uh, by Dave K. Like they used uh, a drawing that somebody else had made, but the way that it's put together. And I think uh, Danny Kane's Continental Breakfast that used a photograph. But the way that they pull all of the elements together is really great. And the series of novellas that come out, um, the uh, the way that they all sort of seem to be part of the same idea without actually being very similar at all is great. I yeah, don't know awesome. shit about design, but I know Ian's good at it. Yeah, yeah. he seems it. So yeah, I, Ian's great. I will judge the book by its cover. I mean, Ooh. if you... <laughs> and I will buy it. Don't. <laughs> yeah. Don't. No, you should. <laughs> I mean, look, even if the book itself sucks as an object, it's lovely. Yeah, face out on the shelf. Yeah. Put it on your shelf. <laughs> right yeah. yeah. So like, Just rip this. the cover off and <laughs> throw yeah. the book out. You Frame know, it. it's your money. Yeah, do what you feel. I would suggest reading it, though, listeners. <laughs> yeah, do that. It. it would be nice if you did, but if you really hate it, like, just appreciate the cover. Frame that, baby. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Dunn. Stephen Dunn, yes. Yeah. So let's jump in. Um, Jimmy, do you want to give us a quick reason? You know, you, so, you chose it, so I would love well, to know. I... So Stephen Dunn doesn't have a ton of stuff online because he published... He's published two uh, two novels that are made up of shorter works and I thought that would be easy to discuss and also it's a really good um I feel like there aren't a ton of books that are coming out that are built that way and mine is built that way and so oh, nice. I thought that would be a good way to uh talk about myself just in case you guys didn't want to um, <laughs> <laughs> but nice. also I just think that uh because Stephen's book uh Potted Meat which came out in 2016 is very short and it's put together in these short little flash pieces, but all of them are so powerful and so good. And I feel like he, he does so much with an economy of words yeah. that, um, that like builds this whole place because it's very easy to know where he's coming from without yes. him like describing what everybody looks like or how the air felt that day. Yes. And the way that he does that is really impressive. And I thought like these three pieces are great because they do so much 
and it takes like 20 seconds to read them. But I've re I've reread potted meat like four times Wow! because you can, it's short and it's easy to get through. And then you just have to sit with it. And the fact yeah. that you get to, and like anybody who can write a short piece of work that you spend more time thinking about than you do reading, I think is doing something incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I would totally agree. And like these, um, three pieces of flesh. One, I would even say if we were getting into logistics would be like micro, right? That last yeah. one, um, they're, they're tell you a like story. Vignettes though. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and I know Daniel, you had some opinions on that because when you, when you take them sort of like in piecemeal, like one at a time, mm -hmm. I like that they're put together because that gives me a really pretty clear sense of like where he's coming from and the, and the type of thing that he's trying to address. Cause I did find exactly what you're saying myself thinking about, different things and then sort of going off on these other sort of grand ideas uh, after having read them, which I always love because you seem to get it pretty immediately. Right. And then after that, there's these other things that show up. So like um, to start the three pieces are in uh, the Columbia journal from uh, January, 2016. Yeah. If and they're all in potted meat. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So they're Great. all part of the novella. In Would you say it's a novella in flash? I mean, I think they I don't know if that is technically a novella or technically a novel, but um, oh, that it, does keep yeah. yeah novel I don't is sort I don't know what the technical term for it is, but it's a bunch of like very short flash pieces that build this whole story, and you, and it's it's a coming of age story, but not in like any of the like very trite ways that there are coming of age stories. It's just like yeah. the boy in the story is getting older, and these are the things that are happening. Yeah. Is the novel told in succession? Um, mostly it. It They're follows like a chronological pattern, okay. but not totally, okay. which I think is how everybody remembers their youth. Okay. Is where you're like, I know this happened before this, but then there's just like this time yeah, where yeah. like this thing happened and I don't know where that fall because memory isn't perfect. And I think that when you're writing stories about a certain time, time period that most people most people have been you know like 12 and 15 and you know <laughs> yeah. not not everybody yet but most people alive today <laughs> yeah, have, have or will be 15 yeah. um and so i think that the way that your time flows in memory like nobody's memories are completely linear and nobody and like and so when you see these see stories especially like in in certain kinds of like more old fashioned novels and the way that movies are laid out where everything happens in a certain order and it follows a certain pattern. I feel like that's, it works great for movies, but it's not sure. how anybody thinks about their own life. You're absolutely right. That is a really sort of, I don't know. I think interesting thing because it's difficult to do. It seems like, oh, that's the way our mind works, and we all get that. We all understand that, as you put it, right? These different pieces happen. I know this happened, and then a little bit later this happened. But really, it's very difficult to have that be put into a text and people get it. Um, and so the three that we get here are uh, Shade, Money, and Tell You a Story. And I feel like we jump around a little bit there because Shade feels like the protagonist is certainly younger. I believe it's like an elementary school yeah, or maybe middle school. Yeah, type scene. Yeah. Uh, tell you a story. It could be like literally any time, but it's a young person with their grandfather. And shade, or I'm sorry, money rather, is um, when you're of that sort of working age. So I pictured high school or, or after high school. Um, and so 
I don't know. Did anybody have a favorite of the three, or what was your favorite of the three? Money. Money, me too. Yeah, money was Same. visceral and great. Yes. It was great. So let's start there. Sure. Uh, I was hoping for a strong reaction uh, to one of them, yeah. and I agree. I really I really loved money um, because we have a young man who is uh, working on a garbage truck, right? And he's the one who grabs the bags, throws them in, taps the truck, we move forward, and he's just working with one other person who's the driver. Descriptive and- language is beautiful. Oh yes, yeah. right. So it's so and it's he's the unafraid to say to write the shit that everybody's like. Mm, I don't know if that's going to be good in this story or appropriate. Yeah, but or no. two on the nose. You know what it reminded that, me of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what it reminded me of? Uh, Tom Spanbauer in that dangerous writing sort of mode, getting to yeah. the core of a thing through the use of your deepest, darkest, most brutal, visceral thoughts. Right, yeah. because essentially what we have is just that day. It's the first day on the job, right? And this uh, young man is essentially covered in a lot of the shit that he's throwing into the truck because Literally, bags are ripping. Yeah, bags are ripping, and these gross things are, are hitting him. This disgusting stuff is, is on him. It's all stuff that you think um, that's definitely got to happen. Well, it's also the stuff you throw in a trash can and never think about where it's going. Exactly. So my big thing that I got from it was like I was looking at all these sort of like big ideas, but then I really zeroed in on the relationship between him and the driver. And when they're eating at the end of the day, or I guess the middle of the the day is where it ends, um, and they're having their lunch, and, and he's sort of like, I saw him as a younger person, and, and, and the driver's this older person introduces him to like this is how we get through the day right and brings out the mad dog uh 2020 and i was like that that is how you get through that day yeah but also those relationships that you can form and how quickly they can be formed when you're in that type of situation where you're in a situation where you are uncomfortable right it is frustrating trash juice is just leaking through your clothes yeah because you're either in this together or you're you're working against each other and absolutely i think that everybody like in the entire world has had a situation where like somebody a little older and a little wiser has been like all right here's what we do and it's not the best idea because i cannot imagine giving like a child some mad dog on the back of a trash truck (laughs) is like technically a good idea right but also i'm not getting on the back of a fucking trash truck Right. Unless there's some mad dog. That would not be a motivator for me. <laughs> yeah, those are really sweet. But, uh, <laughs> but, but that was the thing that I really got from it was like that, that day could break you, especially because it's your first day. Like you could, you could really, really be pushed to, to that uncomfortable, really breaking point. Well, those are the real jobs. You know what I mean? The jobs that, that test you. Yeah. And, but and the, I think the relationship is, I, I put a note, um, uh, concentrated energy or power that that when you have somebody else who has your back and when you make that sort of bond, I love how he has them uh, speaking uh, in this uh, way where I think the driver initiates it where it's like, here you go, good sir, right? And the, and, <laughs> and a, the kid follows follows suit immediately, and you do that. And when someone does that, yeah, you follow suit, and then you're together, you're a unit, you and 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 you have that. Like I, I, I felt concentrated power or energy because of the relationship that you've now had. Like it's, it's a bond that possesses more than just friendship. You know, it has that extra something to it, and it, it actually is, is really. I, I that's why I love that one because yeah. I felt like he does that so, so, so well. And I was thinking about those things because you know we've all 
been, as you said, at this table, we've been in that 12 to 15 year old range when you're getting your first jobs and those first jobs that you get are never cushy. Right. Well, even not with my first job, I, my, one of my first years teaching, there was this older fellow, Joe, and I had a horrible day and I literally almost walked out the front door Absolutely. And he just, he's like this old South Philly Italian. Nikki, Nikki, come here. I want to talk to you for a second. And he just talked to me about nothing. Yeah. And I remember that moment. I had a Bill Fuda stayed. did the same thing. Old Italian dude. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and it's one of those things like when I think about um, how close I was to the teachers when we were in that super, like it felt like war and it was very, sure. very dangerous and it was very, very um, taxing emotionally. I think about the bond that I have with them and how, like, if I see them, it's like no time has passed. And you, you just shared something out of time together that it'll never be taken away. And, and you get empowered by being around that person. It's almost as if it brings you up to just be near them. In fact, like, I find it when I meet with people that I taught with, and we called it the trenches, like a bunch of cliched idiots. Right. Um, but, like, <laughs> I can't. We're in the trenches. Yeah. Meanwhile, but a World War One vet we, would be like, "Excuse we would, me." I mean, they're all dead. <laughs> yeah, we would That's be. We are dead. unable <laughs> to talk about that shit. Mm-hmm. And I think because of our lives have gone in different directions, we just are no longer able to be that thing, and that okay, sucks. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's really common because, I mean, I've had uh, plenty of service jobs and service jobs are not the same as hard manual labor, but you do have the the same idea that you are trapped in a very specific space and you can only do so many things. And in a service job, uh, anybody can just walk in and you have to deal with them. Yeah. And I worked at a coffee shop for like a thousand years and it was near the Liberty Bell. And sometimes you just like, Things happened that should not have happened, but I remember, and like having another person there, what's great is that they also witnessed it. Right. And that's part of like being in the shit with other people is just that you're not completely alone when something completely baffling happens. Like I remember, yeah, like I remember once at 930 in the morning, a woman came in and was like, why don't you sell wine coolers? And we're like, (laughs) this is a coffee shop and it's 930 in the morning. AM and she's just like <laughs> sobbing, and we were like, "I'm really oh. sorry, but also, if you're trying to get drunk, that's not the best way to do it." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like this is going? this is Philadelphia, <laughs> yep. and you're gonna want to go to one of the bars that opens at 7 a.m. and just pr- hang out with some nurses. And like, if you're trying to get wasted, that's not the way to do it. Like, clearly, you are in desperate need of alcohol. Why you also might need cooler? to just speak to somebody. Yeah, it's yeah. 9:30. <laughs> you know, I mean, like. There was somebody that used to come into the grocery store and drink the vanilla ex- the extracts, orange vanilla extracts, just house them like shots. Oh, like Tom Hanks on that Growing Pains? Oh, well, I don't know. What? <laughs> what? There was like a Growing, I think it was a Growing Pains, or it was Family Ties. It was one of those two. They're the same show in my mind. Yeah, I do that <laughs> and, all the time, and, too, yeah. and a young Tom Hanks played like the troubled alcoholic no cousin shit. or something. And he <laughs> and because they didn't cares. want it to get too intense, like they just showed him like drinking the vanilla extract. Which is like I mean sixty percent alcohol or something right, like that. Yeah. But, but it's, it's gross. just like, oh I I but like it was that like eighties sitcom way of handling an actual problem where they're like, What's the furthest we can get from the real problem yeah. while still vaguely referencing it? Like <laughs> Jesse Spano's caffeine pills. I'm so excited. Growing Pain's <laughs> theme song was so emotional that I 
couldn't understand why it was a comedy <laughs> when I was a kid. It really Like, was. I would hear the song and be like... <laughs> the family photos, <laughs> you're like... <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I'm ready for a feeling right now. Mom! <laughs> um, so, <laughs> that That is, I, I think, the, the heart of money for me. I don't know. Any other thoughts on, on that one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the turn. Uh, he does. Yep. There's two turns in such a... Sh- it's two paragraphs, I think, the story. Three paragraphs. Yeah, maybe three, yeah. yeah. Uh, so when they pull out the wine coolers and they start talking, uh, you know, a uh, little afternoon refreshment, good, sir. Why, thank you, sir, Russell. Yeah. Like, that's a big turn right yeah. there. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is how these guys are getting through it. We're and fucking then, friends now. Yeah. And yeah. Then, uh, but then the very last line, you're most welcome, but don't think you're going to get free shit every day. Right. Which I think is... is like That's, that's how it goes. Yeah. It's yep. like, look, I'm... You worked hard enough that I'm not going to crush you, but I could. Because in the beginning, he does say something like, we're late you. because of you. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, we'll, we'll see how you do. But like. But that feels like uh, ribbing. Right. When yeah. you get to the end. Right. You know, and, and that I don't think you get free shit every day. Like, that's because I, I actually don't know you too, too well, but I know you well enough to take it this. I mean, that's a huge, huge step to pull out. It's a mad dog pass yeah. it to somebody. Shit. And my God, that was just a great scene. I can't, I can't tell you how much I love that story. Yeah, it was that, great. that was definitely my my favorite of the three. It's just that little bit of kindness yeah, yeah. and how how it can take you from being crushed to just on top of the world, kind of. Yep. Where you where you're joking. Is this story indicative of the whole collection, Jamie? Um, I would say so. I mean, I think that um, the the book spends a lot of time on how he like how how you survive in rural poverty and what it's like to grow up in West Virginia and I've Mm. been to West Virginia for like 20 minutes so I'm not gonna speak to that and (laughs) but like the way that you are taught survival as a child who grows up poor is similar in different kinds of poverty like there's you know there's rural poverty and suburban and urban poverty and there's certainly like the poverty of like thousands of years of oppression but when you're you know like 13 or 14 the way that it feels is the same and so it's really about like how you how you survive in a dying town yeah um and so i think this is like this story is indicative of like a good portion of what that feels like and i think shade talks a lot about the way that he interacts with other people and it's really I would read the whole book. Anyone, anyone should read that book. I can't, unless you like hate having a good book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you're 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 right with um, with shade them being sort of more of what's going on throughout the entire text. I haven't like, read I, it yet, but I'm certainly I, going to. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that story is a little bit weirder to talk about because there isn't. You don't know how you feel reading that because it's just like, do we want them to kiss? Is he being nice? Is like what are what's at stake here? And all you know for yeah. sure is that like it's this like little exchange between two people who aren't exactly friends but have a kind of understanding. But I think that that's something that comes up a lot when you're a kid because yeah. all the people you know when you're a kid are the people that are nearby. You don't have you know now we're adults and you can go anywhere and you can have friends all over the world. Yep, and 
you know, you can have the, there's the internet and there's really not the internet in potted meat. Um, and so there's this whole idea that, you know, someday you'll be able to choose all the people, you know, but when you're a kid, you can't. Yeah. And so like everything around you is determined by proximity. And so it's very easy to have these relationships that are not quite friendships and are not quite romantic and you don't exactly like each other, but you don't hate each other maybe as much as other people hate one or both of you. And I think that that story does a really good job of sort of expressing that very strange relationship of proximity. Yeah, I feel like uh, for me, it I definitely felt that a bit, but I also um, was thinking, wow, this is like, we're of a certain age where, you know what, like you say in proximity, I guess you're the best of what's around, I guess. Or you're here. Or, or you're, yeah. Why not? But I felt like with, uh, so it's basically a, a girl who's being made fun of, right? And this the the boy is sticking out for a little bit in this story shade. Brutal. And, uh, and it's one of those things that like she can't help, right? And I feel like he can't help but stick up for her because he can't help but see some of himself in what's happening to her, right? That it's not, so this is what I found really interesting about it. It's like, sometimes if it's not you being made fun of, you're like, thank God as a kid. And you kind of like turn, turn a blind eye. Right. But here he doesn't go, he might say, you know, thank God it's not me, but he goes over and, and helps her out because it could have been him. Um, and and then, that's such an amount of effort. Yeah. When you're huge. a kid that like, of course that like the fact that she kisses him later is just like, Oh, like I, it, it I don't think he was going towards that. Right. End. And like it doesn't even feel intention. romantic. Exactly. It feels like just like this, like, I don't know how else to repay you sort of thing. Because yeah. there, it's so hard to talk about being like the shitty kid yeah. in whatever way you're the shitty kid. Like, you know, she's the smelly girl and like, we all knew a smelly kid and it's not the kid's fault. No, she has to but, feed the hogs in the right. morning. And Jesus. like, you know, when I was a little kid, we had a smelly kid and I remember like very clearly picking on him. No, no, everybody hated me more, but nobody wanted to sit next to him. And I remember, because he lived down the street from me, and I was like, oh, he's a smelly kid because his stepdad hates him. And, like, yeah. I could tell, I was, like, in, I was like seven years old, and I was like, oh, he is being neglected because I see the way that his, like, his mom's husband treats him versus his mom when she's alone. And so, like, I wouldn't make fun of him, but I didn't stick up for him either. Yeah, it's a huge amount of effort. Yeah, because like if I stuck up for him, it would have been worse than sure. just being the smelly kid. Being the smelly kid that like the kid everyone hates way worse. Like is, is like friends yeah. with yeah yeah. So, but I mean Brutal. like, but you you sort of put that stuff together when you're a kid yeah. very slowly, yep. and but like it's important to know sort of know your place. Yeah, and I, I I like how they sort of like fight back on that a little bit, and it gets met with like sort of the expected, um, you know, pushback and stuff like that. But then they're left alone because now that's two to one, the kid that was making fun of her. Yeah. And, and then of course that happens where it almost seems like, well, that's the expecting next thing we should probably, or she feels perhaps that we should probably kiss her something like that. And I, I really, I felt like the title was really interesting to me by the time I got to the end of that, because I was like, Oh, there's now numerous sort of definitions of shade for sure, like, is someone throwing shade in this particular story, or are they just... And then, for me, it really felt like they are finding relief from what is the heat, which is all of this bullshit that they have to deal with in their personal lives and, of course, on the schoolyard and things like that. And that relief happens to culminate in that 
kissed that that is something they'll never forget because presumably for me it felt like it was their first so it was that thing you'll never ever forget that and right. and and that brief respite is the is is the shade so i thought it was really i thought that one was really really beautiful in a different way from from yes. money um i don't know and also far more brutal yeah, just the words that the kids were using. Uh, Wolf pussy. Yeah, just yeah. Like, that's really fun to say. Like, but I can it see is why they would. It kind of made me smile else. when I first read it. To be perfectly it, honest, it reminded me of oh, things you should. that it's kids. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of things that kids would say in grade school that made up would shit that just shock is meant to the fuck you up. shit out of me. Yeah, that they even knew how to say that. Yeah, I love that they come back. They're like, they're only in the Arctic, idiot. <laughs> yeah, because like, <laughs> that they don't was so good. Right. Yeah. But they sure know how to make somebody feel bad. And I yes. think that's really the key when you're a kid, when you're just like, I want them to feel bad. Yep. I know these words will hurt. The combination will either yeah, fail or, or really be painful. It's like that John Mulaney bit where he goes, uh, they know how to fuck you up. Like, oh, look at that guy. He's the one with the feminine hips. And he's like, oh, that's the thing I'm so fucking self-conscious about. <laughs> like, it's it's what yeah. they're good at. They can they can achieve that. Yeah. yeah. Also, the Absolutely. stick in the hogs ass was um. It was yeah, not Jesus. a good image. Yeah. Well, that felt like a call to uh, Lord of the Flies, because that's exactly oh, what they do. Yeah. That's the Ralph. Well, listen, or not the Ralph, the, um, the second in command to Jack. I forget what, the, what his I name can't. is. I bought that yeah. book again because I want to read it again. But um, no, it, once again, I go back to Spanbauer every time. You just don't read that type of stuff everywhere. True. True. And when you do, and it's done this way, yeah, it's great. Well, let's wrap up with the last and tell you a story, which is which is a paragraph. Um, it's just a grandfather, and he says, I want to tell you a story. And the kid, of course, goes, you know, sure. And he goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm going to tell you a story. And, of course, you is capitalized. And then he goes, when you find you, just let me know. I've been looking for that motherfucker everywhere. <laughs> and that that to me was just like, oh, wisdom comes in the form of a joke. And I think also just like it in the context of the collection, it does it's not just like one setup and punchline as much as it's it gives you some a taste of like atmosphere and character mm. and like where things sit. Um, but it's also just like so funny in the way that every like dumb old man joke is funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. It it hits. Yeah, and in you that can way, you can picture the entire thing. And it's yeah. not like yeah. And like you can picture any old man and any kid in any, any combination, yep. but it, it feels it it manages without like telling you anything about these people to tell you everything about these people. Yeah, highly successful. That's great. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean that's, I was hoping for that when I saw it was a paragraph. Yeah. And then it delivered, and I was like, fantastic. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that Stephen is really good at doing. Is, I mean, I love his work, and I think he does great. He does such great things. And part of it is just that he knows how to tell you the most with the least words. And yep. it's really impressive. And I'm kind of jealous of it. <laughs> and it's so great to read it because, I mean, I think a lot of people say that they have no attention span anymore. But also it's just like everybody has a lot of shit going on. And so it's more just like how often do you have time to go sit and read a 600-page book? How much of your yeah. life can you dedicate to that? And But you can get away for like 100 pages. I feel like you can – it's tough though because I would argue too with a lot of stuff like this that's done really well, me, I'll spend as much time as it would have taken me to read a 600-page book thinking about – 
sure. and going down all the rabbit holes that these huge themes and ideas have brought to me. Um, and that comes from a paragraph sometimes. And, and so if it's done well, I feel like it's a wash. I feel like you almost just get tricked into thinking. You know, which is which is great because you get the, the oh, story. Damn it! Yeah, I love it. I, I feel like you just you, you get the story in a short amount of time, perhaps. But then that that extra work you have to put in to really appreciate it in the end sure. um, ends up being just as much as if you would have been given every detail in a six hundred page novel or yeah. something like that. But I think this is really really successful, um, and I'm so glad you chose it. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm thankful I'm glad to be exposed to. It. Uh, I mean, I've never told someone to read Stephen Dunn and have them come back and be like, I didn't. For that. I literally <laughs> bought the book yeah. while we were talking. Get it if you want to. It's called Water and Power. It came out last October. That's great. A, that's his novel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a fictional ethnography, is what he calls it, and it's about the military and a little bit oh, about nice, what yeah. it's like to be in the military and what it's like to be around it. And because the only bio we get of him is that he spent ten years in the Navy. And then he got his MA in creative writing. And so now he I, writes these. Not a lot. On his <laughs> See, I, I really respect people who like give a minimal bio. Sure. Because I feel because yeah. like, I feel like people would like to know as little about me as possible. Um, Let the work stand on its own. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's the hope. Right. But I also like because I feel like there are some people whose bios are very long because they've accomplished a lot, and I don't mean to like knock any of their accomplishments, but like that has no bearing on whether or not I will read or enjoy the work. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's just, I remember looking because I like to give some background and stuff like that for the, <laughs> the writers that we're talking Nothing. about. And there was, well, I met Stephen Dunn egg. and I wasn't able to speak to him because I was fascinated by him and I stood staring at him for a half an hour. Oh my God. So, Stephen, if this, you're listening, back at you. uh, I was in Denver and I apologize for being such an awkward weirdo. He, yeah. He's going to rip you apart. <laughs> oh man, the. The first time I met Steven, he was in town to do something at UPenn, and I met up with him, and he was like, I hope this isn't weird, but I'm kind of a hugger. And I was like, no, I'm a hugger, too. And then we, I gave him a quick hug, and then the biggest, fattest raccoon I have ever seen <laughs> just, like, ambled its way down the street because it was trash night. And he's like, oh, man, that's the biggest fucking raccoon I've ever seen. We don't have it, raccoons in Denver. I miss them. And I, was, I feel like that's... Did he try to hug it? No. No, he... He, he missed that, raccoons. He, he didn't. Yeah. Well, he, he knew what they were. observing. Yeah. I mean, that thing must have weighed like 35 pounds. It was oh, gigantic. Some, some of them are really fucking it was, huge. And it was like, and it was like the South Philly raccoon that like knows. Every inch yeah, of its, just like, of its uh, It's just like, fuck you. I'm yeah. eating your garbage. You yep. will get out of my You're way. You're going to watch me. And you will stay out of <laughs> yeah. my way. My paws are larger than yeah. your hands. Yeah. And so, I mean, that that is my personal favorite. Cause like. <laughs> Because I was, you know, like, it's very easy to write anybody who wrote a book you like an email and be like, hey, I really liked your book. Do you want to yeah. come to my reading series? And the answer could very much be no, or perhaps you don't get any answer. Yeah. And that would be fair because I probably sure, yeah. sound insane. Um, but he was just like, oh, just yeah, time, okay. Yeah. yeah, let's hang out when I'm in Philly. I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Shows a lot about his character. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a yeah. great dude. Awesome. That's going to wrap up our, you know literature part of the cast let's move Stephen into Stephen Dunn Stephen Dunn yeah me. We're gonna, let's get potted me go yeah it's $14 yeah. on tarpaulin I literally, literally bought it while we were talking I'm, get, I'm getting okay. it today I'm gonna be a little, a little be a little more respectful uh, we're, gonna take a, we're gonna take a break <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna come back and talk about Glenn yeah we'll talk about good old Glenn Mr. Yeah. Denzig yeah 20 eyes on his head yeah. 
And we are back. Let's talk about our good friend, Glenn. Uh, Glenn. So for those of us who may not know, Danzig is a band uh, that was... Actually, Daniel, you know quite a bit about this, surprisingly. I'm not even going to pretend to... You get you were dropping some knowledge on me last night about good old Glenn Danzig. Uh, I came off my fresh Wikipedia. Reading. Well, he was. Oh, the, I thought I was oh, going to put a dollar that you secretly liked Danzig. I was thinking it when he was saying it last <laughs> right? night, and like in the back of my head, it was probably just Wikipedia. But uh, so he was the lead singer of the Misfits for quite some time. Uh, if anybody's not familiar, they have the Devil Lock, and they would paint their faces like. Uh, They're still going with one yeah. original member. Yeah, Jerry yeah. only on yeah. vocals. Yeah. It's so bad. the the misfits have that no. uh, iconic T-shirt that's uh, the, the or logo skull. rather, yeah, uh, the the skull. And that's that's what they would sort of like paint their faces to, you know, uh, replicate. But so many muscles, they, they were so they ended up getting jacked. huge and jacked. They were definitely doing just like cycles of steroids, um, and they would wear the fishnet shirts and have the big. You know, it was almost like. Uh, pissing contest with the size of your devil lock too at, a, <laughs> at one point in time. And I remember there was a thing about the Misfits where I was like, this reminds me of like sort of like 50s rock and roll, um, but really done poorly. Well, because like it's like having uh, the Misfits basically sound like having a teenage punk band backing a middling doo-wop singer. Nice. I mean, I like and that all and like half the, the songs are about monster movies. Yeah, that's so the it's best description. It's oh that 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 propping themselves up to be tough because they're talking about shit Monsters. that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Hybrid moments still a great song. So, that is a great song. Like, look, sometimes having a kind of shitty punk band with a doo-wop singer, it'll produce great. something great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, Mur- Murder City Devils covers Hybrid Moments, and I always felt like, oh, Misfits really wanted to be Murder City Devils, but they couldn't do it because the drummer wasn't good enough and they just weren't actually badass. They were kind of... It's just some know. weirdos from New Jersey. Yeah. You know, and they're... I, I heard this thing. I, I don't want to say that it's absolutely true, but I feel like it is. That, like, Danzig's mom, they would practice at his house and Danzig's mom would, like... They would come up from practice and, and his mom would have uh, Sunday accoutrement laid out with, like, ice cream and they would make themselves ice cream sundays. I want that to be <laughs> I and I heard it from somebody who's like a up. reputable like, I need source. that to be true. And I feel like it's definitely true. I'm going to put it out there with the, you know, sort of like, it might not be true, but I think it is. In any case, Danzig goes off. Thank you, Mrs. Only. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Danzig. Mrs. Danzig. And uh, <laughs> absolutely, that's, yeah. in my head, Mama that's what happens. Alone. Yeah. Mama <laughs> hands alone. Thank you so much, Mama hands alone. Do you have any more maraschinos? <laughs> Why do they sound like that? That's because how he that sings. Kids sound. Okay. That's how he fucking. So um, then he goes off, and and Daniel, uh, why does he go off on his own? He disbanded the misfits. The misfits or left them because he didn't think that they were taking uh, their their job seriously. They weren't good magician, musicians because they weren't, and they didn't. And they, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he had a he had a vision. If so facto. So he created another band called Sam Hain. Uh, they did a few things for a couple of years. Made a porn comic. Did they? Yeah. Oh, weird. he loves doing that. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he runs like an adult. <laughs> that was weird. Thing, You've read an them? adult yeah. comic. Book. That makes I've, I've seen them. <laughs> That's more than I've done. Uh, um, he did not read it for the article. So Rick Rude, well, because Metallica was a big uh, uh, fan of of Misfits. Yeah, they did. Um, well, they were so. Which is, I think Cliff used to wear misfit shirts yeah. all the time. Yeah, but time, they right? covered. They did a bunch of misfits covers for Twenty Eyes in My Head, right? Something else yeah. on on Garage Days. Yes, on Garage Days, they did a couple. 
that got Rick Rubin's case. attention. And Rick Rubin said, Glenn, baby. Let's <laughs> Glenn, my baby. We all know that I went. Never mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you got to do your own thing, kid. Uh, so when I put my pants on, I make gold records. I make gold records. <laughs> uh, so instead of Danzig taking the band name of Sam Hain uh, to the next level, they changed the band's name to Danzig. So Glenn Danzig had more creative control. Creative control. Because creative he was control. he was such a, um, I guess a, a tyrant over yeah. the people he was playing music with. No, he um, doesn't seem like that type of person. Sarcasm, <laughs> sarcasm. So then he released uh, he the like a super show guy. solo <laughs> album Danzig in 1988, which yep. is such a departure from the Misfits. Yes, it's like they signed them to do a thing, and then can I, he I just want, did something way different. Well, I want to make a comparison here because it came to me as I was listening, and I, correct me if you think I'm way off or disagree, but it's almost like Henry Rollins Band and Black Flag. And we have Misfits and then Danzig, yeah. right? Because with Henry, but here's why Henry Rollins is better. Uh, he's a better lyricist, in my opinion. Uh, and he's, he's got this smart. awesome rhythm section. So he's doing like proggy type weird stuff in Rollins' band. Whereas Danzig is really trying to be like Pentagram or something, but with zero melody at all also, in, in his lyrics. You only need to listen to 20 seconds of each song to know what the rest of the four minutes of the song sounds like. This yeah, is but true. there's a lot of like semi-intelligible yelling that you can do. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so <laughs> does anybody have a favorite song? Like, what was our, what was our, our uh, overall, we, we all listened to the album. Yeah. We ha- probably I haven't listened, listened to it in a while. More than I should admit. Yeah, I want to roll this back. The reason okay. that we picked Danzig <laughs> is because when we were communicating with Jamie about coming on the cast, she said that she listened to Danzig uh, way more than she probably should have. Okay. Words, yeah. words to that I'll effect. Admit to th- I'll, I'll admit that. The and first four records, after that, like I can't. Oh, you, so so I, what draws you to... Uh, oh, it's ridiculous. Good old Glenn. The ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I feel like... I don't know how everybody else prepares to like go be a person every day. Um, <laughs> you listen to dancing? But, but like, because being a person is stupid and hard. And so like, I don't know, like I'll put on something and be like, all right, I'm going to listen to some dumb music in the shower and this is how I'm going to be alive. And then I'm just like, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes, call me the hunter. Let's yeah. do this. Like, this is so fucking stupid. Because like, he's not tough. No. He's a man in his middle 60s who is... Definitely Only had ice cream sundaes taller often. than me. Yeah. Um, and like nothing about Danzig is like actually tough. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it all of the, but like people playing at being like tough and like evil is so <laughs> yeah. funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> because like, like, I guess anytime like people who are really into Aleister Crowley and who are like, this is like my dark mystery, it's just like, is it? <laughs> Is it Glenn? I yeah. because like I mean I've I've read as much weird occulty stuff as anybody else sure. who like didn't have friends until high school. But I, I can't imagine me like, yes, I'm gonna attach myself to this. I'm gonna take it very seriously. Yes. Because I can't take that's anything his, seriously. I think that's his that's issue is he part takes of, everything. And part of the real so fun of Danzig is like how serious he is about what he's doing. Yeah. Because so much of it <laughs> yeah. historically has been done in a mesh tank top. Yes, yes. We've all seen the photo of him carrying his the grocery bags. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And he looks fucking 
serious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that should be. I've never hey, seen he that. takes his cats <laughs> very so fucking seriously. And that's the thing. He takes these things that are so not tough. And, but, but, and, and tries to make them so because it's He's him who's just out and everything. Yeah, man, like, <laughs> bring this fucking cat little home. You what, know, you it's at least 20, it, it 25 is, pounds at least. In his defense, it's a pretty big bucket of cat litter. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like, it's a lot of cat litter. You, you couldn't carry this fucking... And then, and then, of course, this is the no same dude who's like... No cat litter, Glenn. Yeah. You know, like, no <laughs> Nobody's challenging you yeah. to a cat litter haul no off. One no one cares, Glenn! <laughs> But no it's cares. like, it's the, uh, the the video, you know, that we may all have seen as well, where he's talking shit to that bouncer who's actually probably a tough, big person. Uh, and, and the dude just cold cocks him once. And Glenn is out on the floor. And everybody's like, why did you do it? That's just who he is. He does that shit. That's, how did you not know? Just leave and him the, alone. And the guy's, him alone. the guy's flummoxed because he's like, anybody else? Everybody be like, "Good, thank God, you hit that guy, Jesus Christ!" And <laughs> and, and, and the, 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 the bouncers standing like, "What the fuck is wrong with everybody right now?" Because they're they're hovering over him like, "What the fuck?" Did Lifting him up, like, trying to like, make you feel like yeah, I did yeah, something wrong. This guy's a dick. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "What?" The, the dude puts his hands on his head, on his temples. He's like, "What the?" In any case, yeah, we should talk about the music. Um, because, <laughs> should we? But uh, because that's part of it, though. We're all intrigued. We've all seen all this well, stuff. We all looked at all this stuff, yeah. you know? and it's. I just I love people who like take things so incredibly far because they want people to think that they're smart and tough. <laughs> yep. The tough and, really is the big yeah, thing for him. I but feel I like. also feel like he's just like, I'm taking these things from mythology and it's just like well, it sounds <laughs> like you saw a painting of this myth. Or and just tried to describe it using a very limited vocabulary. So so to start, the, the first track is is Twist of Cain. So we have the biblical reference there, and I, that, I think that speaks to your point. Yeah. And he's he's really trying to say, we all have this Cain inside of us through the first people, and, you know, that I'm a descendant, you know, of um, of that, <laughs> which I was starting to, to see that in this <laughs> most recent listen. Um, <laughs> and then I'm going through, and I was like, am I demon? What is that making me think of? And then I was like, I need to oh, know. am I evil? You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, no, however, demon. And I will I will say one of the the things that that caught me was like, oh, everything is 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 so thin. Like all the music, just the 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 drums, the guitar, everything sounds so thin and it's like I just figured out how to do the harmonics, so I'm just ping ping ping. A lot off, of that. All the, yeah, a lot of that. However, uh when we get to she rides that is like a bluesy rock and roll number. That the whole isn't. Album's a bluesy. Yeah, but this metal is like right. The drums, the rhythm section finally has like footing, and and <laughs> and is in the forefront. Listen, I I I'm. I can't. I don't know if I can. Take I, I don't know if I can talk I was about this. Album. listening, <laughs> and and when when it came to that, I was like, I was like, oh shit! Like this is, I think where we're where we're seeing that there's. There's an influence here, and this is where the most musicality for me came out. And I was like, oh, all right, Glenn, not bad, my man. And then I started thinking, is this what I want from Glenn, though? And I mean, the it doesn't no. matter what you want. It's <laughs> what he's giving you. Yeah. I always had the idea if I wanted to become somebody who tried to do something ridiculous, that uh, She Rides would be a great name for an all-female Danzig cover band. Yeah. But then I would have to practice, so I haven't right. done it. 
Well, yeah. you said you do uh, a really good Danzig impression, so... I, I said I... I think... I don't know if I said really good. Um, I feel like I may <laughs> have said right medium. <laughs> I do a medium impression. Yeah, I do a pretty okay gl- Danzig at karaoke. You, you won a Glenn Danzig uh, karaoke contest. Oh, man, if that were a real thing, I would absolutely uh, You, you know, we saw, we saw Ted Leo last night. Every Halloween for a really long time, Ted Leo and the pharmacist would be Danzig. For Halloween, they would play only Danzig songs. He would dress up with the devil lock. It's so fun to just like be yeah. like, you know what? What if I were a crooner but evil? <laughs> but like, you're. Oh, I love how he's calling himself evil. But like, like as if that gives you right. <laughs> yeah, like Vincent Price evil. Right. It, it, it's exactly Vincent Price yes. evil. Exactly. Like he I mean, was but on like Scooby-Doo. if you think about like every single like tough metal, like they're all just like. I really like Vincent Price movies. Yeah. And I there's only a few play guitar alone of. a lot. Like yeah. that's, I mean, like there's like a whole electric wizard album about <laughs> Witchfinder General, like, which is not a good Vincent Price movie, but it is a Vincent Price movie. Yeah. Which makes it. I think he does a British accent if I remember correctly. It's not good. <laughs> um, but I think like, that's the thing. It's like this, like what is so delightful to me about Danzig and about all of this shit is that like, the idea is like, all right, we're going to play really heavy music. We're going to get really intense. It's going to get so dark. But then it's just like basically the Monster Mash, which is an right. amazing song that does not get enough credit. It's like but a like, metally doom version of the Monster yeah. Mash. Yeah. yeah, except the monsters in this are having like a sex party instead of just like yeah. one that, you know, where Dracula's son is welcome. Yeah. What would evil monsters do? Yeah. Put on leather and fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that's, 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 yeah, that's, that's his thought. That's his whole thing. Yeah, and like I've I, seen his porn comic. That's what yeah, they do. I would speak to that. What do you, what do you got there? I, I've, I I've not, seen so. a uh, a panel or two in You're which really a, is it new or a blowjob is uh, given to a demon? A demon monster. Yeah. <laughs> what else would it be? Beast. Uh, is it old? Is it is it new? Yeah, it's old. I feel like okay. he's. I saw it when I was a kid. And I was like, what? I think he's still doing it. Yeah. No, he's. Like, imagine being 14 forever. That's, yes. that's, that's ah, the whole idea. That really, I think you nailed I it. I think you, you tapped right in. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'll, I'll let you off the hot seat, <laughs> but I really wanted to hear that impression. <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't have to, though. We could we can move on. It's hard to do it with, like, just in somebody's uh, basement podcast right. setup. <laughs> Uh, you need with, like a stage you, you're not and a lot of messages. Well, it's just like the basement. This is the yeah. <laughs> it's more like I'm I'm used to having at least like the music in in my head, like oh, we'll not just in my head. we're doing this. Apparently, we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I I, you I know. mean, don't you have to pay royalties if I sing a certain amount of a Danzig song? Like, oh, imagine if after this yeah. you had to give Danzig <laughs> money. I think he pays you. You know what? Danzig would be the motherfucker to sue us. Yeah, he would. Like, Seems no like a litigious duty yeah. from Jersey. Dude, he sued everybody. <laughs> yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Like, we can't, I mean, ah. okay. <laughs> this Fuck is it. your show, bud. <laughs> yeah. I just it. work here. Yeah. Yeah. No, Glenn I, I, Danzig um, takes over another podcast. I, Bye. <laughs> I feel like, and I don't know. He I was might making sue us some just shitting on him. Yeah. I, Sorry, that Glenn. actually seems more yeah. more possible um, I, or probably. I do it with love I, or similar. <laughs> I wouldn't exactly call it love. 
<laughs> what's interesting is like Danzig seems to be taking all of like the like the silliest and worst elements of like the genre of music he's trying to be a part of really uh and and is and has no idea that that's what he's doing. It's almost someone said, which is uh, in its own way brilliant. The dude who made the room, Tommy, Tommy. Wiseau, right? Uh, Wiseau, uh, somebody at this Tommy. table who is not me made the comparison of Tommy to yeah. Danzig, right? And and the only thing I would say is that Tommy seems like a sweet person, and and Glenn. Seems like he would go real hard Glenn on you in a minute. Although he is, <laughs> Which is very more like protective a of cats. <laughs> um, uh, a friend of mine, uh, her ex-boyfriend used to be his drum tech or something. And at some point, like Danzig found a kitten under the tour bus and was like, <laughs> we like we need food for this. Like very protective. What of the kitten. fuck are we doing? Also, guys? Some, this yeah. is a we kitten. need some evil fucking cat food. <laughs> we need some evil fucking cat litter. I mean, I think he he was settled for tuna. I think that's kind of evil, full of mercury. Well, I mean, I think like even like this, like the facade of toughness has to be hiding a lot of stuff. Right. You know, what if it's just cats? It's just that he's. You think it's just a bunch of cats in a human Mm. skin suit? Oh yeah. (laughs) Like he's actually a bunch of cats. Yeah. Spiders, man. (laughs) You ever hear Spiders, man? Have you ever, it's a collective group of spiders that thinks it's Peter Parker in a Spider-Man suit. Have you That's seen Glenn Danzig. that meme? But he's cat, but cats. Of, uh, cats. I'm sorry, yeah. Miss Jackson. I am for eels. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm uh, <laughs> for eels and not a guy. It's, yeah. That one's hilarious. In any case, uh, to wrap up Danzig, I don't know. It really feels like to me, I kept thinking about Pentagram because that's one of the early metal bands. I was like, oh, he's trying to do this, but he's not putting any melodies in the in the in the lyrics. And it's just it's silliness and it's it's, it's he's trying to be tough. And uh and so I'm funny. not sure that he is in any way aware of how he's coming off. No. And that's why I think you're Tommy Wiseau. Is that it? Yeah, he's uh, a little he's a little uh, clueless. Yeah, he's and like you and like you said, Jamie, like a 14-year-old doesn't have that self-awareness yeah. and um it, it's kind of interesting because it seems to be one of the like major, I don't know, like like themes when you're talking about like taste, like everybody else is aware and that might be your taste of like this sort of campy or, or silly sort of stuff where the person doesn't understand it, but they're from a generation where they're taking themselves pretty fucking seriously. And I think there are a lot of people that do take it seriously. They're just not... Yeah. But they're like also me. trying to be tough. Yeah, and you know like, what I mean. Like I they try really to be tough all the time, tough. but I look like a French cartoon child. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, to, to be fair, she is wearing a yellow raincoat. Yeah, <laughs> it might rain later. Yeah, but I mean, like, because, but I think part of why it's funny is because, like, you know, when if you have a, an amount of self awareness, you know when you are behaving ridiculously. Yeah. And you hopefully can laugh at yourself. And if you have no, and so like recognizing the self-awareness that somebody else doesn't have for what you're doing is you're just like, oh yeah, I get that guy. He really doesn't, <laughs> yeah. but I do. But also having self-awareness is not entertaining really to anybody else. Sometimes when you is. have the, the, the less self-awareness you have, the more entertaining you are to other people oh, at yeah. your own you know peril usually. But So just a final thought on this album, Danzig is like Gossamer. And one does not dissect Gossamer. There you go. <laughs> I have <laughs> gotten very mixed feelings on this album because I feel like some of it is looking into a mirror. 
my, one of my first big Whoa. one of my first big bands sounded like Danzig, but I didn't know until I actually went back and listened to this whole album. You know and, what? And I got I real sad. I just learned sad. so much about you. I got so <laughs> sad listening to this this past week. I I've like, got a loaded this is... fucking gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that, that's what we were trying to do. Blues wow. metal. And I had a singer that was that deep baritone. Yeah. And I was like, mama. I'm glad we didn't realize the vision. Sure. <laughs> I am yeah. so... I'll pl- I have some <laughs> demos. I'll play them for you later on. I hope you do. Yeah. <laughs> Just like sick riffs. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so I, I was, you know, I was, I was happy to listen again. I haven't heard it since like high school where all these dudes were like, you gotta fucking listen to it, dude. It's so dark. And I was like, I, I not, not for me. Sorry. But I understand the silliness now. Final thoughts, Jamie? Um, if you want to find hell with me, I could show you what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Was that directly to Glenn? Um, no, I don't <laughs> think that that would be a good idea. No. I, I would not like. It would to probably be Glenn full of kittens, there. to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, you paint a pentagram know. on the floor, and you have to re- get, get that whole, fixed. A whole weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I. I just uh, to get that fixed, <laughs> Glenn. I gotta restain this fucking floor, God man. Damn it! <laughs> God damn it, Glenn! Yeah. Again. Although a home improvement show where Glenn Danzig ruins your house, and then you, <laughs> and then you have to scramble to fix it before the the big party, yeah. I would watch the shit out of oh that. Oh my you have, God! You have renters in like twenty four hours. God damn it! He Glenn. wouldn't be able to stomach that. And I think that's why we talked about Danzig for that idea. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there it is. That. That's the I'm most. just imagining him like spilling something and then sitting there <laughs> eating dumplings while you're sanding. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's funnier for to imagine him with like comical takeout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't really know what yeah. Glenn Danzig eats. That's yeah. great. Some crab rangoons. Hopefully not all the yeah. cats. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's um, move into that beer section, yeah. dude. Let's Take a break, uh, come back with some, uh, what is it, victory? Victory, no brainer. No brainer. Uh, and I'll explain the reasoning behind <laughs> yeah. that one in a minute. Fantastic. And we are back. Let's uh, jump into the no brainer. Nick, I am so curious as to why you chose this. Well, puppy. let's just start this way. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, so. We're cracking. I wanted us to all crack them. The no, I just wanted to do it into the mic oh, just for okay. fun. You guys was, don't have to do it. Uh, yeah, that was I difficult. I, um, <laughs> I think I got a better crack than you, though. So you definitely did because I, I did it earlier and, and stopped. It was like a half crack. Anyway, oh. um, after reading the stories and, you know, considering how I feel about Danzig, um, I was in the giant in Flower Town today <laughs> just trying to figure out what the fuck I'm going to bring to the show. Nice. <laughs> And I saw one called No Brainer, and I thought, you know what? It's a no-brainer that I'm going to buy Stephen Dunn's book. Oh. And also, Danzig has no brains to put in that record. <laughs> he, he wasn't thinking. Let's tie it in. So there it is. That's what I did for this one. It is, uh, it's just a straight IPA, evidently. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know much about it. I'm going to read it to you while you guys have a little sip. Go ahead, Daniel. All right. Uh, this is from Victory. It's called No Brainer. It's an uh, American IPA, 6.8% alcohol. Uh, they have used Mandarina, Citra, Centennial, and Azaka hops. Three of which I've never heard, heard of. of never. On yeah. Those Beer were Advocate, words. it's getting a 3.76 out of 5. So I would agree with the Beer Advocate. 
It's middling. It's, this tastes like a very standard IPA. I guess that's why it's called No Brainer. Like a juicy IPA. Yeah, I that makes sense. Slightly, <laughs> Victor, yeah. Yeah. You think the brewmaster is like, ah, this is all right. It's it's <laughs> funny, though, because it threw me on the back. It's got like this like uh, formula, like the the uh, atomical structure of the yeah. of the beer or something. And it says a perfect formula makes for an easy choice. It's fruity and citrusy hops lead the way in this IPA. So I guess they're saying this is just a no-brainer. You pick it up, you see it. Easy I think drinking, it's, it's fine. I think it's pretty good. I wouldn't yeah. say it's easy drinking, though, because... Um, 6.8%. Yeah, it's 68 I'm getting a little bit of that bitterness. Flavor is easy drinking. Gotcha. Okay. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and just from... Easy uh, drinking to me is like, can I have five? Well, that's Coors Light. Uh, Jamie, you said that you weren't much of a beerman. I mean, I'll drink it, but I'm not particularly knowledgeable or picky. Nice. Um, this is pretty good. I would drink it. Um, I like drinking IPAs just like I like drinking anything where you can taste that there's alcohol in it because I feel like that's great for self-regulation. Yeah. Um, that's a true story. Yeah. It's really smart. Because like when I was, I went to art school and so parties usually just had like one 30-year-old guy who brought a bunch of whiskey and was sad. And <laughs> if you're, you know, like... Daniel. A, <laughs> if, and when you're 20, you know, your two options as a 20-year-old girl are be the crying girl or be ready to help the crying girl. And I was always more of the, like, I'm going to have to help the crying girl get a cab person. So I like knowing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, because probably I'm a control freak. And uh, self-awareness. There we go. This is the yeah. self-awareness cast. Yeah. yeah. Unlike Glenn Danzig. Yeah. I, I, am, I prefer to be self-aware. He's, he's the girl who's crying. Yeah. You know what? If Glenn Danzig were crying outside of a party, I would make sure he was okay. Yeah. Ask him I would if he get, needed me to I would call a lift. Don't touch me. Yeah. Yeah. No. Fucking touch me. I'm not crying. <laughs> I got something in my eye. I'm a demon. Like, listen, Glenn. Everybody, everybody has tough days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you want a pretzel? <laughs> Those are really <laughs> absorbent. They're super I, helpful. Yeah, no, I mean, Get it's it been a long time since I had to comfort a crying stranger at a party because <laughs> um, I don't go to parties with strangers anymore. Um, but yeah, you know, you just give them, give them some water, perhaps yep. a pretzel, get them in a cab. That's Absolutely, gotta, yeah. You it. know, I, I yep. feel like when I'm when I'm thinking about this this cast, I like to try and bring it together. And one of the things that I didn't do that enough for you. You did. No you did. You did. The no brainer was I'm, good. This is my first time. But it's my first time. Uh, <laughs> but one of the things that stuck out for me was like how taste can like evolve and stuff. And there was a period of time where like there were a lot of people who didn't realize that Glenn wasn't self aware. And there was a period of time, of course, when, you know, if you look at literature, there's this arc of like poetry and then the novel. Right, because the novel actually, rather than a book of poetry, is a quicker read. You know what I mean? If you read a book of poetry, you might be there for a few months. Read a novel. I'm doing poetry wrong. <laughs> but the thing is, what we were talking about before, then and then we see uh, we get Flash, and now we have novels and Flash, right? And where I feel like that's such a return to form, and now we're seeing so many people uh, who kind of sound like they listen to a lot of Danzig. Or misfits, but they have this self awareness, and so for me, this cast is really just this idea of the evolution of each of the individual pieces, right? Where we we're just seeing how the collective taste has has moved, and the evolution 
is tied to self-awareness so much, which I'm so glad we talked about before I, I kind of had this as a quick scribble note because that idea was one that really stuck out to me when I was thinking about all these things like, wow, we have novels in Flash now, which might as well be books of poetry because there's such a distilled narrative and, 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 and so much going on in those pieces that it does, though you can read it faster, take you longer to digest and actually get the core of it. And I wish you were my teacher, Nick. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> when we, that was you good. You guys always call each other by name because it's so fun. I don't, I don't think I, we ever thought about it. I don't. Yeah, I don't even. Sometimes I'll throw a Gregorio in there, dude. When I was in, when I was growing up, I was the only Nick anywhere. Oh, I had multiple Nicks I, there all were, the there time. Was, I got like Nickelodeon. Dickalus got Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Oh, those are good. <laughs> yeah, I got it all. Those are really good nicknames. Oh, the Dickalus yeah. really it, it it stuck with me. Um, and of course, I like Victory, right? I like Victory a this bunch. Is not my fave. No, but I like the Headwaters. If I'm going to go with an IPA that's drinkable and that's a no brainer, the Headwaters is mine. Did they they do Hop Devil, right? Yeah, that would have been more appropriate for the mine. show. That when that came out, that was so like a evil. buck. Right. That's so evil. <laughs> I really blew so it with this one, guys. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, you could have. Oh man, really the hop devil. In. Did you ever hear of Victory Hop Wallop? Oh yeah, years ago. So Hop Wallop was like nine percent. It was ABV. like some guy from West Virginia. You could have got that. They don't make that <laughs> anymore, man. Come on. <laughs> Oh, okay. And anyway, I brought a six pack of that to a party once, and we were all going to go down to Maniac and have a great time. I drank four yeah. of them, didn't realize the ABV, fell asleep on the floor, and got left. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a power move. Falling asleep at a party. Yeah. That, yeah. I got. Geez. I done got left. I I don't know. This 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 is I think bought more for name than for flavor. Sure, it's pretty and good. The, the label, the the can itself is cool. And yeah. Adam is a cool thing to look at. There's all these formulas. <laughs> it's like the beginning of Rick and Morty on this game. <laughs> Overall, I think awesome choices, sans Knicks. And uh, <laughs> no, it's good, <laughs> but it is. It's kind of a no-brainer. It's just like a drinker, yeah. and, and that's what it is. Um, the stories were fantastic. I, I like that we got into a little bit of something that we couldn't be overly critical of. You know what I mean? Like, you couldn't really shit on Danzig because it's Danzig. And you, and it's you, exactly what it is. And, and exactly. You know, right. and you, you kind of, at this point, we're almost, we're 21 years after it came out. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah, when I think, like, but also, like, that's like a funny thing that happened that I have no memory of the initial album. Right. Yeah, I was like four. Yeah. <laughs> I was like three years old when He's that came out. He's always been there. He's just always been in the background. Just yeah. crooning. Your pal, Glenn. That demon yeah. under your bed. I, part of the real joy of Glenn Danzig is that it's very easy to just like put his like ghostly presence into any normal situation and then just enjoy that weird yeah. personal digression. Yeah. Terrific. <laughs> well done. Uh, I, I, I don't have much left. No. I, I, I think give that was Stephen Dunn's work. Uh, 666 out of 666. <laughs> <laughs> I, just give him a, I just give him a pentagram. Yeah. <laughs> I give Glenn Danzig, uh, what's a one third of 666? 333. That's half. 222. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't even calculate a tip and I got that. I'm just really glad that I didn't Jesus. agree out loud because that made sense to me. Right? Didn't it seem like yeah. it? I oh, went God. to art school so I wouldn't have to do math and yeah. it shows. <laughs> an English teacher for that same reason. <laughs> and the beer, I am giving uh, 423 out of 666. That's higher than I expected from you. I expected half. It's a very specific 333. number. 
Yeah, Did you just like those numbers in a row? I think so. I'm going to play the lottery on the way home. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Absolutely. Nice. Do you, I, you should start rating everything on a scale of 666, because there's no way that that won't get overly complicated. Well, Daniel, <laughs> Daniel has a new way to rate things every episode. It's arbitrary. Yeah, it this is nothing. insane. This is our yeah, demon, but like demon episode. 666 so. could really... Just you could get very specific with numbers. Yeah, yeah. Very and no divisible one would n- ever know what you're talking yeah, about. Very fine distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, fractions. Well, this was fun, wasn't it? Absolutely. Thank yeah. you so much, Jamie, for coming for onto the me. cast. That was wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad to read, listen, and drink new things. Why don't you plug your book one last time before we uh, take my it out My book of here. is called Manhunt. It comes out this month from Mason Jar Press. Uh, their website is masonjarpress.xyz. And if you are in Philadelphia, New York, Connecticut, <laughs> Washington, D.C., <laughs> or I, I, don't, I don't know a lot about Connecticut. Like I just know it's where white people are. Yeah, it's also it's like a, a parking lot. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a place for white people, Connecticut. And I'm going to go there um, the day this... I'll be there the day this podcast comes out, um, <laughs> the 19th of July, uh, at the Wesley and RJ Julia's bookstore. Come fight me. Hold. That is mint chocolate chip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I'm just letting my inner Danzig come out. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come fight me in a bookstore in Connecticut. Well, I read to you. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been in a fight with anyone who wasn't my brother. And that was only before he got taller than me. <laughs> well, that was a real treat, folks. Thanks once again to Jamie Fontaine for coming in on Book Record Beer. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram at book.record.beer, on Twitter at Book Record Beer, and on Facebook at Book Record Beer Podcast.com. We're on iTunes and all of that wonderful stuff. But. We'll see you next time. Am I evil? I mean, demon. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. I don't know where that word went. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. Woo! I just thought the lyrics and the first mother song that came up with Pink Floyd. So singing, mother, do you think they're going to drop the bombs? Like, that's not, that's, that's not how it goes. No, it's like. That's not the song. (laughs) Mother. Tell your children not to look my way. The mic's still recording, so we got it. Uh,